Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Oh, the shark, baby. Has such teeth, dear, and it shows them pearly white. Just a jackknife has old Maggie Heat, baby, and it keeps it uh, out of sight. You know when that shark bites with his teeth. Baby. So welcome everybody to this latest Macklin's Take with myself, Andy Clark, and Matt Macklin. Thanks very much for tuning back in. Thanks for the feedback we've had since we got cracking again in 2020. We're enjoying this more and more the more we do it, I think it's fair to say. So this definitely isn't going anywhere. And today we've got a good one for you today because this is something we've been looking to get into for for a little while. It's it's an important subject because it's a success story, uh, which is always good. Um, We're very much a glass half full kind of a, a podcast anyway. But it's an important success story. I think it's particularly important now because boxing, I think it's fair to say, people like to say anyway, it's more global now than it's ever been. In terms of its overall appeal, it is difficult to quantify that. But due to social media and other things, I think it's probably fair to say that it is. And that has led to people becoming obsessed with going global. Young fighters, promoters, managers, everybody. They want everything now. And... Although that has always been human nature, I think people have forgotten a bit that before you can look to try and dominate the world, the way to do that is to start small, start local, work hard and keep going. And if you do that, you can achieve great success. People may tell you you can't, people may tell you you're in the wrong part of the country, but you can. Uh, And the man who is going to tell us all about that today is the perfect man for the job. Uh, It's Graham Everett. Graham, thanks very much for joining us. Absolute pleasure, yeah. And it was start small, start local and keep going was a phrase I actually heard in an interview with Daniel Latire, who's now a big Hollywood actor, a couple of weeks ago. And he's just a kid off an estate in, in Camden Town. And they asked him, oh, how did you do it? How did you achieve the success? And that's what he said. He said, start small, start local, keep going. And that, that's the key to, to your success. And your success building boxing in Norwich has been considerable. Yeah, to be honest with you, uh, so, so many fighters nowadays, um, they have to understand that when, uh, you know, you, you castled your home, you know, when, when, you, when you build yourself so much, even in the top, even in the top line of boxing, is, is about ticket sales, bums on seats. And, and with these opportunities, when people, you know, box on local shows, get the careers, get the sales to 6, 8, 10 and 0, then all of a sudden an opportunity comes and then... You know, they move into um, they move into possibly big shows, TV shows, and stuff like that. And to be honest, that's what we've done with a lot of our boys. Um, which then you've got to say that's a success story. When when you started out, were the people telling you that this this won't work because of where you were? Because people talk about fashionable areas when it comes to boxing, and people talk about London and Manchester and Liverpool and 
Sheffield and, and, and other places, some, some kind of wax and wane. But what we really enjoy is, is watching someone from what you might describe as more of a boxing outpost do the business. Terry Harper a few weeks ago brought a whole village to Sheffield and, and it was great. And we see it with Joe Laws in Newcastle, we see it with... Jack Cullen when he brings the whole of Little Lever down to down to a show. I mean, would, there must have been people who just say, "Graham, mate, listen, this is, you know, I, I admire your 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 ambition here, but this is not going to work." To be honest with you, when when the uh, the professional scene actually went the other way round, because we all of a sudden had Herbie Hyde, who was with Matchroom, and uh, they came to Norwich and they promoted with him there in the early nineties. Obviously, when you know John Thaxon was on the undercard, that built them two fighters up. Obviously, when Herbie moved on, he, he went with Frank, and then later years you had a big lull in boxing. Then around our area, you then had um, uh, John Ingle started promoting with Neil Featherby, and that's that's when our period started. Obviously, John Thaxon's career, he, he had a two-year retirement uh, because of a, a car accident. He then came back with myself and Neil um, Neil Featherby, and then he resurrected his career on small hall shows that's basically what he uh, what he done he got made mandatory uh, and he won the British title so that's obviously a success story and on the back of John we had other fighters building their careers up and ever since then that's what we've done um, you know there's anybody who comes to us you know we, some of them are some of them are decent amateurs some of them uh, haven't boxed amateur. There's fighters like Billy Bird, never boxed amateur. Do you see what I mean? And uh, come off the unlicensed circuit. But you know, you know, when some people say you can't do it, that makes us more determined to do it. And now we're on a roll. We've got uh, we're promoting with Mervyn Turner. Uh, we have a show next week. And on some of them shows, we've had people like Sam Sexton keeping busy. We had Ryan Walsh box on two or three. People like Craig Poxton have built their careers up. And obviously, you know, you know, obviously, with Sam keeping busy on there, he then got himself a British title fight, and he won the British title against uh, Gary Cornish. You know, so it's the without these shows, things can't happen, things can't build, and you know, I, I, do, I do honestly think it's really, really important to have home shows and build yourself up. That's how I feel. Yeah, it's something we talk about quite a lot, Matt. We, we spoke to Steffi Bull about this. We talked quite a lot about, about ticket sales and, and things like that. But we haven't talked about it specifically that much from an individual fighter's point of view. Your situation was slightly different because you were a big amateur name. at signed with a big promoter. Birmingham wasn't really right for you at the time. But you can see the, the appeal. Look at Josh Warrington. He started small. He started local. People didn't really believe in him, to be honest. And look at him now. And climbing the ladder that way, it must be incredibly satisfying. Yeah, look, the most important thing is that you believe in yourself and you believe in your team and that they believe in you. And if you've got that, nothing's impossible. That's just a fact. You know, and that's, there's, there's umpteen examples of it that proves that. Um, I think with me... Uh, I do understand about you know everything Graham said there about the stay busy. You know, I had a 15 year career, so I, I had the highs and lows. I had I was the you know ABA champion, 18 turn pro, massive profile, big press. You know, lost early on in uh, my first 10 rounder. Uh, went from being the top of the pile to being a forgotten man a little bit, or certainly that's how I felt with the media and different things. So you know, then built myself back up, got right up there was in the you know most anticipated British title fight they'd been for a long, long time, me and Jamie Moore, you know, and there was uh, Jamie was proven but there was a big feeling that, you know, this kid Macklin he was a top amateur he had the last but now he's back with you know, he's he's had eight on a row or one, whatever it was, and he's with Billy Graham, he's in that camp. It was a success, pre success mentality. They thought a lot of people thought <clears throat> at least fifty percent of the people thought I was gonna go on and win and move on to sort of superstardom. The interesting thing about that Jamie Moore fight, though, just to interrupt on on the topic of what we're really discussing today, is the fact that he was the home fighter in that fight. It was his arena. He'd sold it out. You had 49 tickets. And that, that, that brings a lot of power to it for him, doesn't it? The fact that yeah. it's on his patch, it's his local arena, he sold it out, and that's the kind of thing that we're, we're talking about. And you never like really... That. It's not that you weren't backed by Birmingham, because you were when you boxed there, but... You never really had that kind of home where, like, this is my backyard. This I've sold this arena out. This is how I've always done it. Yeah, I mean, uh, into, so I don't want to go off on a 
tangent here, but I suppose, look, in terms of being a t- which I'm very capable of doing, <laughs> but there's a, you know, as a ticket sales point of view, and I boxed, I did an eight-rounder before I fought Jamie in Birmingham. It was the first time I boxed in Birmingham as a pro, and this was 2006, I turned pro in 2001. So I hadn't been built in Birmingham, but I was being built, you know, I was on Joe Calzaghe on the cards, Ricky Hatton on the cards, Scott Harrison on the cards. I was being built as a, a TV fighter, and I was always doing two, three hundred tickets even to travel away, which is a lot. You know, when I boxed in Birmingham that time on the, it was the chief support fight to Kevin Anderson against Young Mutley, I sold just shy of 800 tickets, which, you know, Graham, I'll tell you, in terms of selling tickets to your pals in the pub type thing, that's a lot of ticket sales, you know. In, that's uh, huge. You know, that's huge, you know, in terms of ticket selling from that point of view, you know, because there's, there's two types of ticket sellers. There's a, there's a ticket seller like that, you know, selling to gangs, groups of mates and people you know. You'll, he'll do 20, he'll do 10. Make sure you sort cover that pub and, you know, my mum's done 100, you know, that type of thing. And then there's the ticket seller on a, an arena level, like a Ricky Hatton and a Tour of Gatti, you know, do you know what I mean? But then that's the television, that's the power of the media that pushes, that makes you a draw, you know, a marquee name. So the, there's two types of, if we're talking like draws and ticket sales, it's, it's the, the small hall selling to your pals and the, the uh, you know, or on the undercard of a big fight is different to, you know, a, a big, big TV name, a star. But um, where would we go? Where was I going before the Jamie Moore thing? See, this is what I'm on about. <laughs> uh, it'll come, it'll come yeah. back to you. No, I think you said about... Uh, oh, yeah, so so I'd, I'd had that. I'd been brought along, you know, I'd had seven fights in my first ten months, blah, blah, blah. Had the last of phase, he rebuilt, Jamie Moore lost again you know I, I, mean, I remember being there thinking fucking I'm, my world's in tatters you know I'm in hospital everyone's saying what a great fight it was but I'm 24 years old I've lost twice I haven't even won a British title and I thought boy I'd be world champion by now you know as, as and I, when I turned pro the, you know the deal Frank gave me the promotion you know they were calling me the uh, the British De La Hoya that's where I was being projected towards but I remember meeting with Frank Warren my contract had run out run out uh, the first three years and I went down and met him and he offered me a good deal but it, I felt uninspired when I sat with him you know it was um, I knew I was better than the deal he was offering I mean it wasn't really about getting a bit more money but it was just I just the feeling I got with him I was down the list at this point but I knew that I was better than that so I was out of contract, so I said, look, I thought about it, and I just went back and said, look, Frank, Frank, thanks for the offer, but if I'm honest, I, I just want to get I just want to get fighting. I haven't boxed in 12 months. The last fight I had was meant to be an eight-round. I got cut to a four-round against OJ Abrahams. Do you know what I mean? I, I could understand why I'd been a, a bit of a forgotten man out of sight, out of mind. And I remember taking, doing a one-fight deal uh, with Brian Peters on each. It was Bernard Dunn's second fight in Ireland. And I remember ringing him up because you could used to see what shows were coming up on the back of the boxing news. And I'd been in the gym training and improving and I just needed momentum. So I remember calling Brian up saying, look, Brian, um, how's things, blah, blah, blah. Look, uh, yeah, I'd like to fight on your card, uh, do an eight-rounder. And he's like, okay. And, and I remember saying, he was talking it through. He said, well, how much do you want? What have you been getting? And I said, listen, I don't care. I'll fight for free. I said, I just, I just want to fight. And he said, no, no, you're not going to fight for it. Anyway, I think I was going to get something. I think I was going to get 1,200 quid or something. Now, I've been getting, I think, about 10 grand a fight for like eight rounders, six rounders, whatever it was at this point. Uh, you know, I'd done a good deal when I turned with Frank. So, you know, to go from 10 grand to 1,200 quid. Uh, but I think, but you just needed to box, care. didn't you? Just you needed to, to box. You I needed to get out. You needed to just get out on the show and get out on that platform and, that's that's provided. And it, and I'll get to this point as quick as I can because <laughs> 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 I know I can I waffle. But I said I'll fight for free. So anyway, as a few weeks progressed, uh, the, the, Jim Rock was fighting uh, Roddy Doran, Roddy Duran in the Chief Support fight. Had to pull out. He was injured. Brian Reebok because do you want to fight Roddy Doran for the Irish middleweight title I said yeah I'll do it so I'll, I'll give you a, I think it was three grand he was going to give me a three and a half something like that so I was going to fight Roddy Duran anyway Roddy Duran pulls out and uh, Michael Monaghan steps in and Michael Monaghan at that point you know had fought caught, had fought Carl had fought Carl Frotch got stopped on his feet you know and had a very close fight with Gary Lockett uh, you know, he, he was one of these guys that had won 15, lost 15, but was hard, was a, was a handful, you know. And especially where I, I'd only had, I think I was 10 and 1, and moved, and kind of campaigned as a lot middle. It was, I think Brian wasn't sure if I was going to take it when he said to me, do you want to fight Michael Monaghan? I hadn't boxed in a year. 
I said, you know, I'll fight him. So I took the fight and I knocked him out in the fifth round. I bashed him. Do you know what I mean? I knocked him out in the fifth round and it was a really good performance. Anyway, on the back of that, uh, I'd done two fights then out in America. The first one was for $2,000, which was about a grand sterling at the time. I spent that on the drink the week after over there. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> then, 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 I'd done, then I went back out there a few weeks later and fought in Philadelphia. Uh, again, like a seven and one top kid. Again, small money. Came back from there four weeks later. Uh, I boxed a guy called Alexei Chirkov on the undercard of Hatton Mauser. Now, Chirkov was 17 and one. Uh, he was European silver medalist in an amateur. He was a top kid, do you know what I mean? He'd only lost one fight to Corin Gabor on points. I knocked him out in the first round. What I'm saying is that little, that little, the point of it was being is that period of time where I had the fight with Monaghan, the two fights in America, and then come back and took that 50-50 fight against Chirkov and knocked him out. It, I met with Frank Warren in the January, and he offered me three times, but it was more than three times, what he'd offered me uh, seven months pre- previous, eight months previous. Now, it's not about the money, but I felt inspired when I spoke with him. You know, I could see that I was up here, but the point that being was I was busy. I, I produced that performance against Chief because I'd had those few fights. I was busy. I had momentum. My confidence was up. I was sharp. I didn't give a fuck about the money. You, you can't beat activity, can you? You can't beat that's it. A, that's, that's the most important that's thing in boxing for a boxer is I'm activity, making. of course. Yeah, you know that was the point because everything that comes with it, one momentum in from from a from a uh, being a, a commodity, your, your name's out there, you you're, you've got momentum, you're busy, you've been to people are talking about you. I remember it said in, in the boxing news that on the front page in the first page, and it said, "Is that Matthew Macklin?" Question mark. And then he said, "I think it was." Uh, Daniel Herbert used to write Daniel yeah. Herbert hardly recognises the man that was because I was busy I went from having a 12 month layoff how are you going to perform best when you've had 12 months out of the ring when you've been boxing regular you're sharp you're confident That's and that's when, when Graham's talking about these stay busy fights what he did with John Thaxton but it's, it's getting it through you know some fighters just think well what am I getting how much and if they're just chasing that pound per fight you feel like going, you've got the wrong attitude here You've got the wrong age. You, you're a fighter. Let me worry about the fucking economics. And, the, and the, uh, trust me, I'm batting for you. And I want you to make the most you can. But I know the game. And I know you've got to get busy. You've got to get fighting. You've got to get people talking about you. You've got to get your confidence up. You've got to get sharp. Yeah, we can spar and all the rest of it. But there's nothing like being in the ring. And like John Thaxton, fair play to him. He had the layoff. And he realised... I'm assuming he, from what Graham's saying, he realised he needed momentum, he needed activity, he needed fights, and he, know, he got made mandatory then off that off that off activity. And when he's been out of the ring for two years, he ain't going to get made mandatory. He's got to work his way back in, and you know he ain't going to sit down and someone ain't going to offer him a mad deal because he, you know you've forgotten about people and <laughs> who's flavour of the month, who's yeah. hot right now. But you get that you get that by staying busy, and you you know unless and that's like you know John Pegg with Sam Eggington, what Graham's talking about here with Thaxton. He got them busy and he kept them going and built them up. They got the momentum. He got into the mandatory. Look what he went and achieved on after that. Then he became European champion, didn't he? I'll give you. I'll give you a perfect example of this activity. Yeah, um, Sam Sexton fought on small hall shows in Norwich, uh, Mervyn Turner shows. Um, I lobbied Robert Smith to have him made mandatory, which he was. He fought for possibly, should we say, a couple of grand three times. Um, next minute. He's fighting Gary Cornish for the uh, for the British British heavyweight title, and then he got a nice good payday against Huey Fury on Channel Five. So them small, you know, without them little fights, that opportunity would not have come. He would have been a year inactive, and he wouldn't have got that fight. So speculate to accumulate, keep yourself busy, activity, whatever you want to call it. But that's what you must do to ke- to to keep in the eye. One thing I always wonder is when you've got a situation when you've got fighters signed to a big promoter and maybe it's difficult for them to get them out as often as they might like to and you do kind of see it sometimes but why not why can't you just kind of loan them out to smaller promoters almost and just say why don't you go and have a fight on a great Graham Everett card in Norwich why don't you go and have a fight on a Steve Goodwin card in, in London you know I can't get you on this on this next big card I've got or if I can you'll be right at the start and you won't get any kind of coverage you can either do that or you can go and co-chief support or whatever on the the small card so if you're you're not with Graham Everett and you're not not from Norwich 
Maurice Graham ever going to put you on his card? For you, you don't sell any tickets. You don't bring anything to the show. You just, it's just, it's just an expense. That I'm not. No, it's just standard business. If I'm isn't managing it? you and I'm training you and I believe in you, I'll take the hit. I'm that because I know you're a good fighter and I need you to fight and I need you to be busy. So I'm going to put you on. I know you only sell fucking twenty tickets and I know it's going to cost me probably three grand out of my pocket or out of the, the money that's generating the show. And if we don't make any, that's out of my pocket. Why am I going to do that if you're managed to train with someone else doesn't you know that's we don't mind losing money we see where it's going we're not going to lose three grand to do someone else a favor do you know what i mean it's like it, it, or or he's going in a 50 50 fight and it's an absolute barnstormer and it adds value to the show no, that that's way. what i mean it has to you yeah you're not just going to sub someone just so their fighter gets an outing but i'm just saying with these younger um quite well known and good fighters you know that there's maybe something that it might just might just occur to me. It might be something that could happen a bit more often. But I and I understood that thing with the fight. I remember saying to um, I remember but remember which fight was it? Now it was one of the Hatton fights up in, and I hadn't boxed for a while, or someone had pulled out, and I hadn't boxed, and I was dying to be active. Uh, it was when he was fighting out in America, and I remember saying uh, to, I think who was it? I don't know. Was it one of the, well, Dennis Hobson or someone? It had been. I said, look, I said I'll, I'll fight for. You know, if, if it's a knockover job just to get me on and get me out and get me out, and I'll box for a grand. I don't give a fuck. Just, you know, I don't care anything. I said, or, or I'll go in a 50-50 fight. But then, you know, if you want going in a 50-50 fight, I wanted, I think, 10 grand, which was actually pennies, really. So what I thought, but, you know, I, I was prepared. I understood. If I'm going to get more than a like, when I say a grand, a grand's like, I mean, what was a grand? Do you know what I mean? For someone of my caliber to fight. But, I, you know, this is when I've been inactive again. It was literally, I was basically saying I'll fight for free by saying I'll box for a grand. That's basically what I'm saying. But I was more, even when I was saying I'll go into a 50 fight, I, I was like, I, I understood. If I want to get more than a little bit of money, I realise I've got to add value to the show and how am I adding value by going in a very competitive fight. If you want to, if you want to just stay busy and have a, a stay busy fight, you know, there's a cost to that because you're the only man that's going to fight. You know, he's going to lose. He's going to put up his price, isn't yeah. it? You have to understand the economics of boxing as well, I think, don't you? Otherwise, you can get frustrated. Absolutely. That's, that's you know, it's got it's got to make sense for all concerned. Um, I think, as Andy said, if, say, like, you come from the area where, you know, say, like, Ryan Walsh from our area, if he needed a stay-busy fight, I know someone like him would take less money and keep busy. Do you see what I mean? Go and fight on a Norwich show just just to keep busy. If he needed that, if if them opportunities come, fighters should be prepared to do that. Because there might be, say, fighters from Leicester <coughs> who who were Frank, and Frank's not got a show there. He could possibly stay busy on a small hall show in in Leicester. That would make sense, wouldn't it? You know, in them situations. But you know, it's, it's, it. As, as Matthew said, the, the huge thing in boxing is activity. You, you must be active, you know. And if it means boxing on a small hall show, well, that's it. Just keep active, keeping the rankings, keep edging your rankings up. Activity keeps you it keeps you in the eye. Well, we've spoken about the business of boxing quite a bit over the last few weeks, so I don't want to go too heavily down that road. What I do want to do is just turn the clock back a bit, and you just tell us how it all, how this journey has developed, how it all started. What made you get into it? What made you do it? And how, how did you kind of achieve those series of, of lift-offs? Um, well, I, I, I started off as, uh, as a coach at Norwich Lads, uh, Norwich Lads Club. Um, a couple of the boys I was working with desperately wanted to go professional. I went professional with him. It was Mark Atkins and Cliffy Eldon. And to be honest, that's, that's the start of the story. That was... You know that's that's how it rolled, and then all of a sudden I'm working with Herbie. So you all kind of jumped off the cliff together. Then they wanted to go pro, and yeah, you wanted yeah, to train. I was, I was an you all wanted to do it together. Boxer. I, I, I boxed with them lads. Mm-hmm. That, then I become coach. I coached them, um, and then the story rolled on. That's just and to be honest, I've never looked back. That's how it's that's how it's been. Good, bad times, and everything else. Hey, hey, kid. Hey everybody, sitting here with a famous Slovenian philosopher. How are you doing, sir? I am uh, in health, thank you. Are you uh, excited about something? I am excited about this latest uh, CIA-funded venture. A CIA venture? Yes, it's called the Desire and Capital Podcast. Oh, what is it about? I refuse your fascist question. Well, there you have it. 
Listen to the Desiring Capital Podcast, coming soon to a bourgeois platform near you. On your marks, get set, go! Interesting times, probably with with Herbie Hyde. I think yeah, it's, it's was, fair to say. Listen, uh, that was far too that was far too uh, hard a job for me at that that time. But I learned hard lessons on the job. That's what I can say. I learned, you know, there was some tough tough times with Herbie, but then again, there was some great times. I got I got to work in world title corners four or five times. You know, worked with some great trainers. You know, Brendan Ingle, I worked with Brendan. You know, Jimmy Mack, Freddie King. Ernie Fossey, I shared, you know, shared corners with all them guys. Eddie Mustafa Muhammad, Mike McCullum. Through Herbie's career, I, I worked with some good people and learned a lot from them. You, you know, like I said, it was a learn on the job. I never really had anybody advising me, helping me. Um, that's the only thing I can do now. With like, obviously, I now work with John Faxton, and, and what, you know, he was a great boxer. He's now learning the job as a, as a trainer, and he's got me to help him. You know, this is 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 fantastic to have somebody to 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 guide you, to be your mentor. I mean, I, I love seeing this. we've got four or five trainers out of our gym, and I love seeing them coming through and any anything they need. I, I oversee everything. I'm the boss, but it's it's just like we are a great team. <clears throat> We're a really good team there. We've got a good gym. It took years to build from them early days with Herbie right up to now. You know, uh, I still I still love and enjoy getting a novice boy I've now got two uh, one I manage Connor Vine from the armies and they got a southern area title fight Ian Martell's and they got a southern area title fight taking Billy Bird uh, an unlicensed chubby fighter who Matthew you you knew know of didn't you from the MTK days um, taking him to a southern area title champ uh, southern area champion and fighting in a great fight for the English title wasn't it you know I enjoy all that it's, it's the enthusiasm still there massively for that you know we we're not we're not given you know we're not given you know maybe our area doesn't produce the greatest greatest amateurs so we have to work that bit harder but to be honest you get a lot of satisfaction bringing someone from should we say down the bottom and get even even getting an area title is 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 massive yeah i can't imagine what that's that, that must be a brilliant feeling to, to, to take someone from, from nowhere and build them day by day and watch them improve and then see them have their night or maybe nights at whatever yeah. level. An area title for me, I think that's a terrific achievement. So, southern, it's, southern, it's, southern area title is fantastic. You know, it's, it's, it's the biggest area in the, in the, in the country. It's, uh, it's quite a hard one. We've obviously got sort of all London, London area in it. You know, it's, it is, it's, it's, it's good, but like, like I say, if, if you win the southern area, win the English, win the British, and people, I remember saying to me, somebody saying to me, watching the Walters Spa when they only just turned pro, and I said, every one of them can be a British champion, and I never knew they heard me, but one of them heard me, and he said to me in later years that they thought I was slightly selling them down, and he said we didn't realise how hard that was going to be to become a British British title. He said, although that gave us fantastic confidence now the two Walsh boys were spies actually Herbie Hyder was in the gym watching them and he said uh, how good do you think they'll be and I said they, they will definitely be British champions and he felt the same he said looking at them the same so you know like I say they heard that and uh, that it gave them confidence but it did it did uh, in a little way they they had dreams of being world champions and to be fair them them dreams can still be uh, achieved so with regard to, I mean, the start you had, it's, it's almost, with Herbie Hyde arriving so early, you're pitched in really, really deep there, and you're almost doing things the wrong way round, in a sense. I mean, how... If, if you took Herbie out of the equation, I'd done it the right way. You know, it's just, he, I, just I just went in very deep. Basically, I, I come on board as, like, basically training him in the gym, doing all his pads, uh, that sort of thing, and then I'd work with uh, Brendan or, or um, you know, any any of the other trainers who were involved. I then took over. Then he went to the States, and then he went to Germany, you know. But I was always involved in his career, always. And uh, he he was a he was a tough a tough lesson to work with. But what a great fighter, you know. It's, it was a it's a very very high level to work with, and it actually took some readjusting to go back to work with people who weren't 
maybe as good as he was because the things he could do were, were incredible. It was, it was a good learner both ways. You know, both ways. I mean, there's, there's some huge nights there because he won he won the WBO twice, didn't he? So yeah, I mean, Michael bent the first time. Yeah. Tony Tucker, the Tony Tucker time. in Norwich. I was I was in his corner he had that the night. Charlie Klitschko, he had Riddick Bow. Yeah, mean, these yeah, are, was, Matt, these are massive. Like, yeah, this is yeah. this is as big as it gets. Yeah, I remember staying up to watch the Riddick Bow fight. He did really well for the first few rounds, didn't he? Yeah. And then uh, Bow was just too big. Herbie said to me at the time, I was I was still still an amateur coach then. Um, oh, I just, I just gone pro. But to be honest, he, he took offence to me because he, he said, "What do you think I should do? Should I fight?" I think he mentioned Axel Schultz for like four hundred thousand or something like that, or should I fight Riddick Bowe for this amount of money? It was, it was big, it was very big. And I, I said, I was thinking then, uh, this is the knowledge I had then, Axel Schultz straight away, because I felt Axel Schultz, someone else, someone else, then Riddick Bowe. But I didn't realise that was the fight they wanted, and that's the, you know, that's that was the big money fight that would have set that probably did set him up, you know. Um, it, he, he didn't like the fact he felt I wasn't being supportive because I said Axel Schultz, but I was just letting my, my you know, that's just how I felt. You're I thinking, felt him. I felt he would be Axel. You're yeah. thinking with the boxing cap on, but he yeah. was thinking with the business cap on. Yeah, of course. And sometimes you got to have both on. And yeah. Know which one? I which. mean, probably now I would have said try and get another half a million off them and then go with it you know what I mean it's um, you know it was uh, it, like I say all them things were good learning good learning stuff for me good learning stuff are you, are you still in touch because his son boxes now doesn't he his, his, his son won uh, uh, box cup East Midland box cup gold medal last last year I think he's at seven seven fights one six He's a good fighter, uh, Henry Hyde. His name is. Yeah, he's 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 a he's a good prospect. Good good kid. And Herbie, what what's he? What's Herbie he Herbie's uh, he's he's building a hotel in Nigeria at the moment, sorting all that stuff out. I speak to him most days. Herbie's a live wire. He comes in the gym. He brings the heat. Still, you know, he'll turn up quite regular when he's back. And uh, his boy boxers for Norwich Lads Club. So, yeah, he's about Herbie's still the same. Hey everybody, this is Moto G Pete from the Nokomoto Motorcycle Podcast. Join us every week while we rate, review, ride, philosophize, and generally obsess over every single motorcycle make, model, and style that could possibly exist, plus news and racing. That's the Nokomoto Motorcycle Podcast from Moto One Podcast Network Studios. So another thing that's always interested me about about sort of watching you operate in the, is in the corner because especially with the Walsh's because whoever's fighting the other two were always there as well yeah. uh, and uh, Manuel who's sitting just over there actually he's, yeah. he's, he's generally involved and what we tend to say when we hear quite a lot of voices in the corner normally is oh there's too many voices in that corner mm. you seem happy enough to kind of let the brothers almost do their thing and just take a kind of overall charge and it's, it's, it just interests me that because it just shows that there's not just kind of it's not one size fits all is it I um, to be honest with you this the only corner that happens like that has, has always been you know the other way but as, as a group of people even if even if you're with them they are taking on board what you're saying whoever's boxing they, if, if, if you spend the amount of time that I've spent with the Walsh boys they all talk at the same time but they know what they're saying it's how they've been brought up. That's how they grow. That's how they've grown together. I've I'm, never I'm known three people so close. I'm guessing the fact that they've come through, all come through you anyway. That you're all singing from the same hymn sheet anyway. You yeah, the listen, same. we, we, you know, I, I said to Ryan Walsh this week. I said, I wonder how many rounds I've actually watched you spar. There's thousands, you know, from 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 a 14 year old boy up to up to now. You know, when we were in Tenerife recently, watching him spar, looked absolutely immaculate. It's, and to some people, what you've just said isn't the right way to do it. And I would probably say it isn't the right way to do it. But I will say this, it's working, isn't it? You know, it's working. He had a, you know, he had a career best performance last time. He's, he, they, they understand there is a noise around him and you often think, you know, it's, it's, it's a conversation 
where they're all talking, but they're all listening to each other. They've been brought up like that. They're so close. If it works, it's it works. It's, yeah, it's if different. It works, it you know, works. it's more than one way to skin a cat. You know, you know it works. It works. That's why I always say that. You know, uh, you people. It's like textbook, and you teach someone textbook. But, you know, people people put their own little individual flair on things. I mean, even say from a fighting style point of view, yeah, they got their own interest. And you know, if that works for them, it works. You know, yeah. Like I say, if it isn't broke, don't fix it. I mean, they, you know, they're absolutely lost without each other. It wouldn't be fair. You know, they're they're in the corner. That's how they've always been. Michael's big brother. You know, and to be honest with you, they all talk sense. They're all boxing enthusiasts, absolute boxing enthusiasts. You know, and they uh, they study the game. There's, I mean, you know, they they absolutely eat, sleep, and drink boxing. That's what they do. So, you know, it's 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 uh, it's not like you've got a fool in there running on shite. You know, they're, they're talking sense. It's, it might be uh, it might be taken in, in in a different way to what most people do. But I mean, most corners, if you see me like with with other people, it's always like pretty calm I'm the calming influence I'd say that's yeah I may be the calming influence of, of everything you know that's that's how I see myself what makes me uh, I think sometimes you know in boxing you get uh, you'll have a gym that'll be really hot for a few years five or six years maybe and then it just dies off you know uh, and then you'll get people where the more not ever ha- say have a massive hot bed like that but they've always got one or two yeah. and they've always stayed in it. You've been, I think you've been a little bit more like that, haven't you? You've been, you know, yeah. you had, like you said, Herbie Hyde, John Thaxton. Yeah. You've had these, the, the Walsh brothers. Yeah, yeah, Sam Sexton. Sam Sexton yeah. too. Danny McIntosh was with yeah. me for a period, you know. I've, I've had fighters slightly under that, like, you know, with Craig Poxton I managed, and like I say, with Billy Bird, Martel. I've got some good young lads at the moment. I'm building, you know, the likes of Joe Steed, Liam Goddard. Owen Blunden, all unbeaten kids, and they're all decent. They're all decent, you know. And, and I, I need to, I, I want to get them into them, you know, title fights and push them on. So, how many, how many sort of of your own shows, small or shows, are you doing currently a year? And how much of your time does that take up? Well, it's it's a, it's Mervyn Turner Shamrock Promotions. We work together. We we will probably do a minimum of four in Norwich. He, he's he's doing a show in London soon. I'll maybe have a couple of boys on that. Um, you know, it's, it's, I would say definitely four, and yet it's all time-consuming, all difficult. And to be honest, it's probably more difficult doing the small hall shows now. You know, it's, you know, keep selling tickets and stuff. I mean, we've got Michael Walsh on one next week. You know, I brought brought Michael back. He boxed recently, as you know, uh, one round win. He's now had 12, 12 fights, twelve knockout wins. We're going for number thirteen next Friday. I mean. Uh, and, that, and that, I think it's crucial, as, as we spoke about earlier. I mean, even I know even Joe Gallagher now has even started he's, doing he, a few. He's promoting himself, isn't you know, he? Yeah, which is, Stephen I'm Smith boxed on one, didn't he? There recently because he needed yeah. a win. He needed Jamie to get Quinn. Out. Yeah. So it's amazing, isn't it? Like, like I said to you, Michael, Michael's boxing on it. I mean, when Craig Poxton come to us, he trained with Matt Smith and Lowestoft. I managed him. Mervyn promoted him. He had his record was one win, two defeats. We got got him up. He won about seven or eight fights on the trot. Somebody somebody mentioned to me they were looking for someone to fight Boy Jones on a Frank Warren show. I went, I love that, and it, and uh, the matchmaker rung me, Jason McCoy, and, I, and we agreed we agreed the fight. It was on Box Nation show, and um, what a fight! What an absolute fight that was. You know, it was and uh, and I Craig, remember that. I watched Craig, that. Craig won it. That was his great. I night. saw him have another really good one against Le- George Jupp. As yeah, well. yeah, he, he didn't win that fight. But it was, it was very a good close. Fight. It was, it was a, a Steve fight. Goodwin show, wasn't it? And then obviously we got the fight with Leon Woodstock for the WBO European. But let's be fair. There's three TV shows there, or three good good nights. He would he would never have got them if it weren't for small uh, our small hall shows. So we're going back to the bill, aren't we? You see. So. Um, Hooray for small hall shows! Well, no, exactly. As we discussed at the start, it's just activity—it's just momentum. You just got to just be allows fighting. you to stay ready and, and, need to fight. and stay busy. And it's fine staying in the gym and, and all the rest of it, but you don't have that kind of ring sharpness that you that you need if you're if you're not getting out there on the night. Yeah, like, like I know said to uh, Matthew, we, um, we we've got three or four lads we try with you know who come up on the home shows. Like I say, we're at Mar- Ian Martell, a cruiserweight, eight and zero. He's now got a Southern Area title fight. We've got Liam Goddard, 6-0. Owen Blunden, 4-0. Oh. 
you know, these fighters are now moving on. And that's the next stage through small hall boxing. Let's, let's get them a Joe Steed, 6 0. He boxed on the Sky Show in Peterborough. Good, good. Oh, no, I remember. Joe he's Steed, he's yeah. Speech, isn't he? After that, so, he got in. Yeah. Be, you know, he'd done 10 grand of tickets on the Sky Show, didn't he? And listen, he's, he's a good kid. He's, he's you know, he's, he's now 6 0, hopefully 7 0 next Friday. You know, these boys, we've just got to keep moving on. When that opportunity comes on a TV show, bang, we're in. You know, but without the small hall shows, these aren't these opportunities don't come. So tell us a bit about the about the Walshes then, because they're they're very well known within British boxing due to their achievements, their stories, uh, their story because it's 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 the same for all three of them is great. I know that they were introduced to boxing by their dad when they were young. They used to spar each other in the living room. Very competitive set of brothers. I've got an older brother. I I know I, I know how that goes. Matt's an older brother. You've got a younger brother, haven't you? Shame, isn't yeah, you see, you don't know what it's like. You were in the you were in the box seat always. You know, you've got no idea. So how did um, how did they come to you? How did they get started? Well, obviously, I had the uh, I had the gym, I had the pro license. Uh, they they went in the championships, and any time they're in the championships, over they come to spar. You know that that's how it was. Um, we had a good relationship from day one. Liked the boys, found them. You know, completely different characters, but they were so, so, so tight, so close together, so loyal. Um, and to be fair, well, I, I've really, really enjoyed watching them grow. I've, I've seen them go from young, young, well, should we say, 14-year-old boys. Now they've all got families with children, and they've got their own houses and stuff. It's, it's been a pleasure to watch them grow, and it's been a, an absolute pleasure to be part part of them. You know, it's, it's, they're, they're, just, they're just great. They're very, very unique. I mean, they've all got houses next to each other, haven't they? Kind of like the Walsh yeah. family estate. It, up it's in, uh, up it's in the Barnes. It, it, it's called the Barnes, I think. It's, um, <laughs> it's three houses next to each other. All, all, the, all the children all think they're, um, you know, they're all brothers and sisters. They, they're, they're, you know, it's, it's a fantastic story. Different. And so with, with, with the big nights you've had with them, you mentioned the... Uh, the grounding you had with the big nights with with Herbie, which was as big as it gets. Um, but obviously Liam had the fight against Javante Davis, and you've got the Mayweather's in town, and you've got to cope with all of that. Mm. And how was how was that experience? And, and, and another one I'd like to p- pick out too was Ryan's trip to Denmark for the European title because I was at that fight. Yeah, I went to that fight, and. He won that fight. Yeah, to be but honest he, but with he you, he didn't get the decision. No, he, he, he won that fight. There's no two ways about that. Yeah, you know, there's that's that's the that's also a big thing about when you're boxing away. The first thing we noticed when we walked in, there's a massive ring. You know, it's, it's it was there for Dennis Sealand to run. Um, it's you know, I'm one of them people who don't really believe in looking back, but we know we won that European title, and I think Ryan would love to fight for the European title again, but. Hopefully there's uh, there's this this to get done with when the, when this golden contract and hopefully there's a world title on the end of that which uh, is possible isn't it you know he's very highly ranked in the WBO so yeah let's, let's hope so and so and, and with Liam as well not not just that fight against Davis but he he then suffered he was just out in the cold wasn't he for two yeah. years he didn't box I mean what that must have it, been watching that must have been difficult he's he's still come to the gym uh, still trained. But he didn't. He was one of them. He he, he just didn't feel like he wanted he wanted to come back uh, and just beat a journeyman up. That's how he felt. There was not a lot of offers for him. And then, um, to be honest with you, MTK come in, offered him a, offered him a management deal, which was absolutely brilliant. And uh, we're on the move. We're back in the groove. And and you know, it's, he's always lived the life. He ain't had like two years on the Guinness. He's he's uh, he doesn't drink. He doesn't smoke. He doesn't do anything he shouldn't do. You know, as I've always said, William and Ryan, their only vice is a bar of chocolate, if that's a vice, or a cake. I mean, I think this tournament, the Golden Contract, is particularly uh, beneficial for someone like Ryan Walsh, who's a good fighter, probably struggling to get meaningful fights because he's probably high risk, low reward. Yeah. And very actually much, he's got momentum here. We, we talked about it back to that yeah. word activity momentum he's going to have three fights that are all televised that's getting exposure decent you know de- good level decent level opposition 
meaningful anyway, certainly they're not journeymen. And they're so, you know, if he goes in and he wins all three fights, he's had three lots of uh, profile exposure, and he's been in the ring, and he's sharp. He's, you know, it's, you cannot beat it, can you? I, I think the thing is with Ryan, you can just see he's improving every fight. You know, his last performance, you, you'd have to say, I mean, I thought Tennyson was a great victory. I, I yeah. thought he'd done a really good job against James Tennyson. But I'll be honest with you, I think that last performance was has been a long time coming, and, and you know he's we've we've seen you know we've seen him do it in the gym, we've seen him perform in the gym fantastically, and to see him see him turn up on the night and do it in front of the public eye is brilliant. But I, you, you've hit the nail on the head there. He's under this MTK situation. He is busy. He's active, and he is improving through that. No, Pete. I, I'm I mean, I've forgotten about Ryan Walsh, I'll be honest, you know, a while back. Now all of a sudden, I'm, you know, this is his second fight in only a few months where he's been, where we, me and you, Andy, are sitting down commentating on his fight. You know, that fight against that Cuban kid was a good fight, wasn't yeah. it? It was, it was an impressive yeah. performance. He goes out there and looks good again tonight, and then he's back in a, uh, a couple of months in the final against either Jazza Dickens. You know, assuming he wins t- tonight, he'll be boxing either Jazza, we're or Jazza Dickens, Lee Wood, and both of them... I've got I've got proven ability at a level and they've, they've had exposure and then they're a name both of them so if he wins that I think he's the favourite for the tournament Ryan was but if he when if when he comes out of that he's had that's that, it's that word again isn't it momentum he's got he's, yeah. he's been on Sky TV three times he'll have beaten three good opponents and then he is ready for plenty for of rounds fight. as well yeah he's ready for a big huge fight you know he's. He, um, listen, you can't look past anything, and we're not looking past anything. This is this is a tricky, tricky fight for him tonight. Very tricky fight, but you know he's he he, he really you know when he says he's on a roll, he really is on a roll. You know, in the gym he's looking fantastic. He really is. Um, but it is everything is back to that word again: his activity. I mean, coming through, you know, again, I know you're not looking past it, but assuming he comes through this tournament and wins it, you know, not only is he had. The three fights in a, in a relatively short period of time. He's won them all. He's had the exposure. He's earned a nice few quid as well. He will have done. And he, he, you'd have to say then, he's probably never been as ready for a shot at a world title. If he, he, get one. he he is ready. He you know, there's no two ways about it. No, no time like the present. You know, I think I think he's now. I think he's now hitting his peak. I think he's he's in the form of his career. He's physically he's so strong. You know, he's very he's such a strong young man um, and he's lived a life. He's not one of them fighters of 33 who's who's uh, took miles off the clock defensively. He's a very good fighter as well, which which is massive. It helps so much. Um, you know, I think now is the time over the next 18 months are huge for Ryan Walsh. Well, you'll have guessed, but we are we're just down the road from from York Hall because the Golden Contract semi-finals for featherweights and super lightweights uh, is tonight, and it should be a really, really good night. And that's the fight that we're referring to there is the one between Ryan Walsh and Tyro McCullough, which will have been and gone by the time that you that you hear this. But that tournament actually is is it's almost perfectly designed for people who feel that they haven't had the rubber, the green or the exposure that they need. Hosea Burton's another really good example. His career was just stagnating and he really needed something something like that. Um, I remember speaking to Joe Gallagher about that a while ago before the tournament appeared and, and, and they were their frustration levels were just going through the roof at that point. Speaking of Joe actually though, to what extent is there a kind of brotherhood between between trainers because you're all in this in this strange business together and, and when we spoke to Joe one, one point he did make to us was that he feels that fellow license holders whether it's trainers managers fighters even people who are all involved in the business and all who, who should all know better because they all know how hard it is are a bit too quick to get on each other now you you stay in the background and that's that's how you like it and that's a conscious decision that you've made but do you, do you think he's got a point there yeah, definitely. But then again, um, you might have to say possibly blame social media, and you might also have to blame the promoters for that because they're always dig digging at each other. Um, but you know, Joe, I get on very well with Joe. You know, people like Joe, Don Charles, and Martin Bowers. There's some, there's some really good, great trainers out there. There's a, there's a, there's a new, new breed of trainers, and uh, you know, it's, it's maybe there. Maybe they're digging at each other a little bit. I don't. I don't know. But I think it's something that shouldn't really happen because it's a very difficult job, and it's uh, it, you know there's 
we all know what sort of money's in boxing. You have to be at the top, and a percentage of money is not always is great money, is it? You know, as most of us do it for the love, and uh, it's very time-consuming. It's, uh, but it's, it's an absolutely fantastic job. But getting back to your question, I do believe that people should get off each other's backs and uh, just worry about themselves. Don't keep worrying about what's happening, you know, in somebody else's gym. Just get get on with your own stuff and concentrate on making you, your fighters the best. While you're worrying about someone else, you should be worrying about your your own stuff. Well, I think that's that's always true, isn't it? You're always best off just just looking over after your own your own backyard uh, and you mentioned there that there's a kind of new breed of trainers coming through and, and something that we hear people say quite often now is that there aren't enough teachers left would you would you agree with that would you say that the way fighters are trained has changed it seems to be a bit more compartmentalised now it seems to me anyway whereas before the trainer would be all things now you've got nutritionist S&C individual job titles that maybe didn't really exist 10 years ago yeah I think a lot of that uh, the the question there would possibly have to go to the fighter himself and does the fighter feel it benefits him you know does he need a strength and conditioning coach does it you know does he need a dietitian Um, probably the smaller fighters probably need help with diet I think Matthew would agree with that Um, you you know it's, it's yeah, there is there's, there is a job for quite a lot of people nowadays. I mean, Joe, I remember listening to Joe Gallagher doing an interview once. He said, I don't need a strength and conditioning coach because I incorporate that into all the work I do. And he's totally confident in what he said there. Um, I mean, in our gym, John Thaxton, he he is an absolute fitness nut. As a trainer, he, as, a, as a boxer, he was a... He was, you know, he pushed himself to the limit. He, as, as time went on, he realised that he had to rest more than he used to because he was one of them who didn't rest, always sitting on the edge of the bed waiting for the phone call to say I'm boxing when he was back in the Sheffield days. But he, he learned, and the, and the big thing here, you know, you, you, you know, I, I honestly and truthfully believe a big, big thing in everything is experience. I think you need experience um, if you're a young coach coming through I think it's always good if you've got a mentor with you you know somebody to help you out somebody who can just not not tell you not to, but just keep a level level uh, key to your work you're doing you know it's not always about flash pads and all that sort of stuff and uh, looking good on social media it's, it's, it's a lot of other stuff you have to deal with and me personally I think correct is best I think you stick to the basics you'll become a better fighter you know all this um you see, yeah, you see Mayweather what he does in the gym with all his pads and stuff. He doesn't fight like that. He's never fought like that. He's a, he's a jab merchant, isn't he? You know, he's getting back to a teacher. Work off the jab. Good feet. Everything starts at the feet. You know, do the basics right. Don't keep looking for flash stuff. You can't reinvent and the wheel in boxing. No, no, you know no, you're right. I mean? You can't do it anyway. You can't reinvent the wheel. No, the, the bread and butter. You, you know, a jab. Getting your balance right, good footwork. Balance you know, is huge, isn't it? You it's know, key. You know what I mean? It's, it's key, and, and you're not telegraphing your shots. Make sure you're having a bit of rhythm, not being stiff and rigid. Relax. It's like, well, it's like as Graham said, there. Experience. You, you, it's, you can't fake it. You know, you can't pretend to have it. You can't buy it. You have to go out and earn it. Earn and get it, it. Yes, yes. Um, I mean, you know, you've got you've got good new trainers who are coming through, like Ben Davison. You could never, you could never criticise Ben. Everything, you know, he's done really well. He's done a great job with, with Tyson, didn't he? You know, he's um, he's getting some really high-profile jobs in boxing. But I'll be honest with you, I don't know yet with Ben Davison. Like everything, anytime I've spoke, heard him speak, I've thought he spoke sense. I think he did yeah, do a, yeah, a great gym. job with Tyson Fury. But it's Tyson Fury. Tyson yeah, Fury. yeah, true, a true. Talented fighter. I mean, he's now with Billy Joe. You, you know, this. You know what I mean, is that Billy Joe? It's like you know. Adam Booth had a lot of success, has had a lot of success with a lot of successful fighters. Yeah, that's it. You know, it's you know, it's he. If you're training an Olympic gold medalist, he's supposed to be a world champion. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? If he, if he doesn't, you've probably not been a good trainer. It's not. It's not. It's, See, it's I, what you've got to work with. What you can only work with what you've got. And we were speaking about yeah. this before. Probably out in Norwich, it's not probably 
you know, a hotbed of bucks where you're going to get that many. We talked about LA. In LA, Freddie Roach, great trainer, of course. But he's also getting the, an unbelievable amount of talent yeah. congregating his gym. They go, they go in, they all nut 10 miles of shit out of each other. So whoever comes out on top there is a good fighter. You know what I mean? So it's like you, you've, you've already got the... the, the yeah, it's, it's not rocket science, that, you is You know. Yeah, you know, the, the thing is, getting back getting back to, you know, trainers like Ben, they're, they're, they're all good. They're all, they're, they're all good and they're doing a good... You know, they're doing a good job, but you are dead right there. I, I mean, thinking of it slightly differently. There. Sometimes I, I've, I've thought to myself for about two minutes, I thought, you know, I'd love to have someone like him, or I'd love to have that fire and that. But you know what? I get so much enjoyment. Me and John get so much enjoyment out of training someone from basically from scratch with very little experience. And like I say, if you've taken someone like that to Southern Area titles and English title fights and British title fights... You know, we've had we've had four British champions out of our gym. Thaxton, Sexton, Liam, and Ryan Walsh. To me, that's they're great achievements. You know, I'm, 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 and I'm really proud of them. I t- you know, we take a lot of enjoyment out of that. It's uh, it's it's that's then you then you're training, aren't you? You, you know, you're a coach. Yo, I'm DK, co-host of the One Star Recruits podcast. My best friend Rip and I host five-star athletes, celebs, business leaders, comedians, and coaches from around the world. Each week, I can guarantee the show will always have great laughs, catch up on life's in relatable ways, and have a ton of fun. We're recruiting you. We are the One Stars, which means we can ask the questions that no other podcast asks to guests like Joey Chestnut, Evander Holyfield, Bobby Hurley, Jenny Finch, Ryan Lochte, Montel Jordan, New guests every week, compelling interviews that you want to hear. Check us out wherever you get podcasts, One Star Recruits. Yeah, you, you, and you absolutely should take take a lot of enjoyment and a lot of pride out of that because I think I think my favourite thing about, about boxing, uh, amidst all of the things that I'm so fascinated about, my favourite thing is just witnessing people change their lives and that can be an area title it can be no title it can it can be getting to 50 fights in the away corner it's watching people through through hard graft blood sweat and tears it's as simple as that change their lives and and and, and to be able to kind of steer that and i said this to you right at the start must be must be amazing because like you said you know it's if you go, if you're able to go in at a really high level, like some of the names you mentioned, then of course you're going to do that. And 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 if you do well, you'll stay there. That's just how that goes. You're not going to voluntarily take a Billy Bird off the street and see if you can get him to Southern Area. You may well be able to, but what if you can't? You're not going to take that risk. But no, but achieving not. something like that with him, that's um, I mean, it's kind of priceless, really, in terms of your memories. Yeah, this is. Um like I say, you feel like you've achieved, you know, you genuinely do. It's, it, is a, it is a good achievement, you know, and it's something, uh, like I say, something I'm proud of. I always remember, like I say, you take John Thaxton, you all remember John Thaxton well, what, what, what a great fighter, but to be fair, he was the nearly man. When he retired, he was the nearly man. What was he famous for? You know, taking Ricky Hatton, the, the distance, you know, he, he fell, you know, he lost, he lost to Hatton, he lost to McGee. When he, when he came back, when he came back, he had a two-year break. He came back. He won the British title, defended it well a few times, boxed for the European, lost against Romanov. Um, good fight. Yeah, good fight. Never fought again. I, I think I think he might have had one fight after John. And then, then his next fight, he won the European title. And I said to John then, I said, you're a genuine champion of half the world. You're a European champion. And we were that close to getting a world title fight. You know, that close, yeah. yeah. Before John Murray didn't, was it John Murray who beat him for the European To be honest with you, no, John John Murray beat him, that was John's last fight, that was John Thaxon's last fight. I remember it, it. I remember it, I was there. I mean, I'll tell you another fight I remember John Thaxon, I remember watching it on television, I was only a kid, when he um, knocked out Scrap Iron Ryan with that left hand, what a shot. Yeah, he was 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 up with Brendan in them days, weren't he, and I believe he took that probably two days notice, you know. I mean, what an inspiration he is to, to a lot of the boys in our gym. We can tell them stories. And, and uh, 
I tell you now, he, do, he doesn't get the social media thing at all. <laughs> and he would fight for nothing as well. <laughs> He's one of them. He's just, he, all he, you know, when he boxed, all he wanted to do was fight. And uh, I, I like that toughness around our gym. There's a toughness there and there's a lot of experience in between us. You know, we do, you know, we, 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 we've got a good setup there. We, you know, we really enjoy what we're doing. Someone else I need to ask you about, Ed Robinson, who's a mine of information, said to me yesterday, oh, Graham, will be great fun. Make sure you ask him about Earl Ling. Earl, Earl Wild Thing Ling. Yeah, Earl was Earl. I like this already. <laughs> I like this already as Earl well. Earl Wild Thing Ling, what a character he was. He, he was he was one of my... Um, he actually ended up... Uh, some people remember him, but I think he boxed on... Um, that was on a Frank Maloney show, and he turned his ankle inside out. It was, it was a horrendous injury. Um, that's what some people remember him for. He'd be remembered in our parts as a, as a real crowd-pleasing, crowd-pleasing tough man. He was, he, was a, he was a good fighter, good fighter. Good, good fan around our way now as well. He still, comes, he still comes to all the shows, supports everybody, does a bit of acting. Um, yeah, he's a real character as well. So please tell me he used to come to the ring to Wild Thing. Um, yeah, he did. Yeah, he, <laughs> that sounds he, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he did. Yes, he used. To, uh, yeah, he was. A, he, like I say, he was a great character. I think. I think in our time now, he would have. Um, I think would have done a great job with him. I think Mervyn Turner would have lo- really liked him. And not saying there weren't a great job. But there's a lot more experience and expertise around us now. You know, it was. Uh, you know, it's it's something what I think he'd have uh, he'd have aspired to. Um, what's interesting too is right at the very start when I was talking about the obsession with going global and, and YouTube and, and Twitter and Instagram and all the rest of it, it sounded like I was dissing it and, and I kind of was a bit because I think we can get a bit too carried away with it. But the, the plus side to it is is that if you are Earl Wild Thingling, with these tools available to you now and you really do have some personality and, and, you're, and you're prepared to do a few crazy things, that can really work for you. That can really work, and you can you can make a big name for yourself. Dave, Dave Allen's the example that people always give. I have no problem at all with Dave Allen getting to the platform he's got to, because he, he puts himself out there and he took some really hard fights. So if you're if you're that kind of maverick now, it can really work for you. Yeah, I th- I think um, it, it, can, it can be really aggravating. You know, pictures of. I can't see how people can run and take pictures while they're running and stuff like that, but they do. Um, but to be honest, the whole system, how boxing's changed, does have a little bit of responsibility there. People have to sell tickets and they have to sell the sales and they have to make the sales relevant. And that's all part of that, isn't it? You know, there's, unfor- you know unfortunately, some of them can't fight and they, they just end up really annoying you. But it's um, used in the right... <laughs> Used used in the right way. We, we know the pain. Yeah. <laughs> used, used in the used in the right way. I think social media can be you know very very useful and good. So we won't keep you too much longer. Do you? Is, is this is, is this you forever now? I mean, you've been boxing for a long long time. And, and we when we, Steffi Ball tried to tell us a few weeks ago. Oh no, I'm not going to stay in boxing forever. I, the match just shot him down immediately. This, 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 these people, these are unsung heroes. These they should all have MBEs. Many of them have got them. You know, Brendan Ingle and uh, uh, Pat Benson, who, who trained me, is in Amanda. Pat trained me. He was in the gym every night. He was in my corner for the fights. You know, Pat was an old man when I was there. When I first went there, you know, and now he's eight, he's mid eighties. He's still there doing the yeah. same thing as he was. Then he sits on the corner and he, he could read a fight and he knew he was a lad and he just guide you and you know you, you trusted him a hundred percent. You know, the amount of kids that lives he's changed. I'm gonna forget about the kids who won titles as amateurs or anything. Like that. Just that got in there and had five or six fights and went maybe would have gone the wrong way. Didn't give him a bit of purpose and to belong to something. These are unsung heroes, yeah, and they're never leaving boxing. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're never. He's, whatever not, Graham I, tells you, we now he <laughs> never leaving boxing ever. Um, I often wonder. You know, somebody said to me last that was last Saturday morning at the gym. They said you can never retire. I said, why the hell would I want to retire? This is what I do. This is what I enjoy. What else am I going to do? So you know? find the job you don't need to take. You don't want to take a holiday <laughs> from, and you, you're living the dream, then, aren't you? Yeah. And that's the thing in boxing. As, as Graham will tell you, the stress, the small old shows, losing yeah. money, blah, all that, you know, the, you're getting a percentage of, sometimes fighters are fighting for pennies and you're getting a percentage of pennies yeah. to the extent you think, I don't even want to take it off him, but whatever. But it's, 
you're not you're not doing it for the money. Do you know what I mean? But it's and then you can make money. That you can make loads of money. It's, it's just mad, isn't it? Boxing. It's, yeah. it's hard to explain, isn't it, to people? Yeah, it, it, it is something that you're into. You're into. That's it. That's it. That's it. You know, you'll you'll get the odd person just comes in at box and disappears. You never see him anymore. But it's it's it, you know, there's a lot of people who've been in a lot lot of years, isn't there? You know, the Johnny Eameses and people like that. There, it's it's part of your life. You know, it's just you know, I'd have to I'd have to turn around and say what well, you know. What would I do without it? I wouldn't know what to do without it. That's from the minute I get up to the minute I go to bed. It's, it's boxing. And that's that's what we do. I'm, that gym, my gym is open seven days a week, Saturdays and Sundays, and that's that's how it is. The amount of people I know <coughs> that are doing a job, they can't stand, and I can't wait for Friday. And when as soon as Friday comes, they are in that boozer, and they're in the boozer Sunday night, thinking, trying to tear the last bit out of it because I don't want to get to work on Monday. Because they're doing a job they hate. Now boxing. There is nobody in boxing doing that. People in boxing are in boxing because they love it because you know yeah. what? It's too fucking hard not to love it. You couldn't do this unless you loved it, could you? No, that, that is genuine, genuinely right. To be honest with you, since since I've done this full time, I often don't... I'm not, I have to really check with myself what day it is. And that day normally revolves around sparring. What day we have sparring of range? Oh, that's sparring day today, yeah. That, you know, like I say, we have a seven-day week. That's, that's, you know, that's that's every day. Is it that boxing gym is open? I'm there every day. You know, I don't know medal for it, but that's what I do and that's what I enjoy. So, do you have you ever kind of set yourself goals, or do you, do you, do you believe in that? Do you think it's there's any point to it really? I mean, it's a bit too unpredictable and and that's the crazy to to kind yeah. of think. Oh, I must do this. I must do that. No, because it's, it's not really about me. All I, all I want to do is everybody I train and everybody I look after, anyone I manage or whatever, I want them to do and be the best they can be. Um, and then I'll be happy. That's as simple as that. Well, I think that's a great place to leave it. I think that's a great place to leave it. Graham, this has been really good fun. Yeah, thank you. And all the best to, to Ryan Walsh uh, and every fighter uh, who's who's in action later on. His opponent, Tyrone McCullough, as well. Should be a really good night. Uh, that will have been and gone by the time you listen to, to this one. Uh, but thanks for tuning in, as always. And if you can get onto iTunes and give us a rate and a review and all of those normal things, that would be terrific. And we'll be back again soon. Round a corner Could that someone Be Mac the knife There's a tugboat Down by the river Don't you know Where a cement bag Just drooping on down Oh that cement is just It's there for the way to dare Five will get you ten old Mackies Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.